Welcome to the Better Wallet Podcast, a podcast where we talk to everyday people who have changed their lives through managing their money. We talk about their money journeys, the good, the bad, and the ugly. At least once a month, we'll have a new episode where you can learn how to manage your money better. We're going to be simplifying the money-related topics that keep people up at night, including budgeting, paying off debt, investing, and how to build a business. The goal is to make money a less taboo, everyday topic. Now here's your host, Mark Russell. Welcome everyone to the Better Wallet Podcast. As you guys know by now, the Better Wallet Podcast is all about demystifying the topic of money and sharing powerful money stories from people who truly beat the odds wherever that might look like, and eventually found financial success. Today, we have Dr. Maria White on the line. Dr. White is a, and I was doing research on her right before the call, and I'm just like, I thought I knew who she was until I did a Google search. And I'm like, okay, I don't, I really truly don't know everything she does, but I'm going to try to sum it up. She's a mother, she's a wife, life coach, a business mentor, motivational speaker, fellow podcaster. That's what I learned today. Have you ever been around anyone who just like truly brightens the room when she speaks? This is Maria. She is super enlightening. If you go to her Instagram page, you will learn a lot about life. She provides an amazing perspective on how to navigate life. And if I could just sum her up in one word, I'd say wisdom. How was that for an intro? So welcome, Dr. (laughs) Maria. I'm so happy to have you on the Bear Wallet podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Seriously, it's such an honor and a pleasure. And I'm just, oh, I can't wait for your listeners to hear what we got to talk about. Absolutely. So Dr. White, she has an amazing story. And I would love to kind of just dive into that for the community so you guys can hear just everything she went through and how she was able to find financial success. So before we get into your amazing story, let's start with an icebreaker question that I did not prepare you for. <laughs> so here's a question. Everyone nowadays is focused on being as successful as possible. When you think about success, what does that look like for you? Oh, I love that question because we have to remember that success is only defined by us. And I learned that a long time ago, right? You can't keep up with the Joneses. You have to really figure out what success looks like for you. Mm-hmm. And success for me is kind of unorthodox. It's being able to go to work to heal tiny humans because I'm a pediatric nurse practitioner, but also be able to spend time with my kids and jump on a paddleboard in the middle of Lake Washington whenever (laughs) I choose to. Being able to not have to struggle or look at my bank account the way that I used to or be on food stamps for a period of time. That's what my life looked like. And success just means the feeling that I have, that fulfillment that I have, that I'm making a difference in life, that I'm able to be a present wife, a present mom, and that I'm really, truly making an impact in all the people that I come into contact with. That's amazing. And it describes you you know, perfectly. You seem so well balanced in every aspect of life. Okay. If I were to answer that question, I would definitely say success for me is just being happy. You know, a lot of times people look at a dollar amount and they say, okay, well, when I meet, when I reach a million dollars, I'm going to be happy. And for me, it's all about, to your point, it's just like, can I find balance in every part of my life? to make sure that I'm truly happy and I don't have to struggle or my family doesn't have to struggle, then I will be happy. And it's truly not a dollar amount. Like if I can achieve all of what I just said, 
with, you know, $100 a year, I go for it. I'm like, that's totally fine. That's awesome. You mentioned your childhood, you know, being on food stamps. Let's talk a little bit about your childhood and what that looked like growing up. Yeah. So I was a military brat. My dad was in the Air Force and we traveled a lot. We moved a lot. I know that we have that in common. My mom is actually German. I was born in Germany. It was my sister and I lived there for a period of time. And when we moved to the States, things just got different, I guess. Dynamics of my household just was really different and things were really hard. And I actually found myself homeless as a teenager. My parents put me out learn a lesson, you know, the olden ways to teach a lesson to a child. I don't. It's a crazy way to learn a lesson. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Definitely don't agree with that. Right. So I will never forget that time. My dad allowed me to keep the car that he bought me. I had a Volvo S60 and it's a 2015 and everybody thought I had my stuff together. What people didn't know is that was where I ate breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's where I slept. That's where I lived for a period of time. I was, that was a really hard season. And I think about that as I transition into like the whole food stamps thing. I remember driving up to the DES office in Arizona and again, driving a Volvo S60 and I sat in that room with everyone else and I just could feel the judgment of everything. And I just felt like, how did I get here? And I remember just people who mentored me and poured into me just telling me, hey, Mariah, you got to do what you got to do to survive. At this point, I was getting into college. I put myself through college. I got a college scholarship to play volleyball. But my student loans were what kept me surviving. And I took out the max amount because it was the only thing that I could do. And yeah, that's kind those of refund checks. I remember those. <laughs> you wait for like, I got that quick one thousand dollars. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're like, oh, okay, hold on. I'll get my books, but then I'll be able to pay for everything else and food. And yes, oh my gosh, those are not the fun days, but those were the days. <laughs> yeah, because like you would have to wait. Like for me, I would have to wait like two weeks for the money to hit the you know the tuition and everything. And then I used to get that beautiful phone call from a student aid office. Like, Oh, like you have a little bit of a refund. Where should we put the money? I'm like in my hands. Like, <laughs> like I need to blow it as quickly as possible. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times, you know, it was going out and, you know, make sure I had food on the table and everything. So definitely, definitely yeah. relate. That is awesome. So were your mentors the reason why you applied to college or was that something you've always wanted to do? It was something I always wanted to do. So I think the hardest part was my dad, he's my hero. And I know that's hard to understand, right? The complexities of all of it, but he was such a financially savvy guy and he had learned everything. I mean, a normal walk in the park day was us going to Home Depot and him talking to me about 401ks, IRAs, investments, accounts, strategy. And he thought for a really long time I wasn't listening. And I knew I wanted to go to college and I knew at the time I wanted to be a full-blown pediatrician. And as time went on, I realized I actually wanted to become a pediatric nurse practitioner. It was a better suited fit for me. And I just was like, I need to get here. But I knew that although my family was very financially well off, my dad at a very young age, I want to say it was 14, it was my freshman year of high school. He said, I will not be paying for college. And in that moment, I was like, you have an education fund for me. You won't let me have it. 
I got to figure out how to do this. And I was really good at volleyball and basketball. So I just excelled at those two things, athletic scholarships. And I was like, I'm going to college. I'm going to finish this. I'm going to prove you wrong. Like I was saying, I just have developed this relentless muscle, this grit muscle where I'm like, tell me no. And I'm going to like, make sure I show you that I can do something. Don't tell me no. It like fires me up. So I just had this drive to go to school and finish school and not just do it half hazardly. Like I was like, I'm going to be the best of the best. And that's why I chose to get my doctorate because as a nurse practitioner, you can go two routes. You can get your master's degree or you can get your doctorate degree. And I wanted to, especially as a strong black woman, be able to say, I have the best education Mm -hmm. and I have the top education knowledge. So I went and I got my doctorate and I didn't look back. Now, growing up, were you around other kids that wanted to do the same thing? Like they wanted to go off to college and get their doctorate and things like that? Yeah, I would say that my high school and especially my coaches, my basketball Mm. coach, my volleyball coach, they always just put that edge in us to dream bigger. And it was always taught that once you have a good education, the doors open up. So I was surrounded by other athletes that were also being mentored by those coaches that went after that. That's dope. And then you went off and became a doctor, right? And then like, I'm just thinking about it now and just like, you put yourself through school, you may or may not had like loans, student loans, you had to pay off and all that. Like, how'd you go about like working a full-time job and then also like paying off all of your debt? Yeah. So education is so pricey. I had $110,000 of student loan debt at the end of it. And I sat there and I said, I am not going to the grave with this much money, like not happening. And I just got to work. I just knew that I needed to pay them off because it was like an elephant on my chest. I don't know other ways to describe it. It just felt like an elephant on my chest. And while other people were like, oh, I put it in deferment, I did, I'm like, okay, income loan repayment, this, the P, like, how many strategies can I figure out how to get rid of this debt? And I just kind of put my big girl pants on, is what I said, is I just put my big girl pants on and I made a plan. When other people were saying, hey, I'm not going to pay them, I was paying them regardless. When other people were saying, hey, you know, you know, you can take a break. Nope. I'm just going to blaze a trail and I'm going to keep paying them off. So that was my biggest focus because I wanted to be able to do what I do now. Mm-hmm. Working five days a week is a lot. It was a lot. And I wanted to be able to be debt-free so that I could choose to only work three days a week like I am now. I love that. Yeah, I would definitely describe debt as the same way. Because, like, you know, a lot of my friends are just like, oh, like, you know, $50,000 of debt. Like, that's not bad. Like, student loan debt. Like, just kind of hang on to it. And then over some time, they were like, oh, the government will pay it off. And I felt the same way you did where I was just like, I feel like there's an elephant on my chest. I just want to get rid of it. I don't care if it's low interest rate and like the opportunity cost of investing that money. Oh, I'm just like, I don't care for that. Like I want to be that. I don't want to own anyone, anything. Like I just want to move on and, you know, pursue this life that I've always dreamed of. 
Yeah. And I love what you said, where you said, Hey, like, I can't do this. I can't do this five days a week. Like, and now you're at a point where I remember before we got into the podcast, she was saying that you only work three days a week, yeah. which is like everyone's dream, right? Like everyone's dream is to not work at all and just get paid. Yes. But like three days a week is awesome. So that allows you to, you know, hopefully balance everything else that you have going on in your life, which yeah. is dope for all the listeners. I'm sure they are really curious on like what plan, like share your plan with us. When you noticed that you had $110,000 of debt, what did you say to yourself? Like what was a part of your plan to knock $110,000 out of the park? Yeah. So I would listen to old guys and no, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but I would listen to Dave Ramsey and I heard his method, the snowball effect or the avalanche method. And I kind of was like, okay, so I did a very unorthodox approach. I took little bits and pieces of everybody's advice because I also wasn't going to like eat rice and beans and never get Starbucks. Like that was just not going to happen. I was not in the car. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're not going to go that extreme. So I kind of took little bits and pieces. I still, and this is one thing that I want to say to our listeners is I still invested. I still invested and reached my employer match regardless of what season I was in always, because the best thing that you have on your side in that is time. So I made the investments that came right out of my paycheck and everything else just kind of had a plan. I made sure that I zeroed out the bank account almost in a way where every dollar had an assignment and I really approached it that way. But I'm also going to be super transparent and honest with you guys. Yes, I make six figures doing my job and it's awesome. But that money, I don't know if anybody else feels that way. Money just, you're like, where does my money go at the end of the month? Like, holy cow. And I ended up deciding to have what usually is called a side hustle. So I joined a network marketing company and I ended up being really successful in it. And now nothing is ever guaranteed. You have to work really hard and over the last seven years, I was able to see massive success. And I was able to then match my income, what I was making. And that was huge. But that money went towards paying off all that debt. So it was almost like I wasn't making any extra money, but that money went to paying off that debt, which was huge for me. Wow. I just have so many thoughts. I mean, first of all, you're speaking my language, <laughs> like make sure you gain the employer match. Even I don't care how much debt you have, like make sure you get the employer match where you're putting the money into your 401k, 403b, TSA, whatever it might be, up to whatever the match might be. So if the employer says, hey, like I'll match up to 5%, make sure you get that again. I don't care what kind of debt you have. Like just make sure you're doing that because to your point, like you have time on your side and you want to make sure you're taking advantage of that, especially if you're a doctor where you have a lot of debt. I couldn't tell you how many of my friends I've talked to where they're just like, I have all this debt. Like I need to pay it off before I start investing. I'm like, no, like invest now. You also mentioned give every dollar a job, give every George Washington a job. That's so, so, so critical. And I love how you're saying, hey, like not only, and I call it offense and defense, not only were you playing defense, just making sure you knew where your money was going, but you're also playing offense where you're increasing the cash flow coming in through side hustles. And that's truly 
how you go about doing it. And no shade to Dave Ramsey. Like I didn't know how to pay off my debt until I Googled how you pay off debt. Dave Ramsey, yes. like, of course. Okay. Came up. And I followed his steps. And then I just realized over time that, you know, I think after step number two or three, I said, well, I don't agree with the next couple steps, like how he wanted to go about doing it. So I'm going to do it my own way. And that's how guidelines were supposed to work. Yeah. So no shade to him, you know, from a business standpoint, I think I agree with him. But when it comes down to some of the things you might say <laughs> that are not related to business, I'm not going to talk about on the podcast. You guys yes, it. Right. But there are some other things that he has said in the past that I do not agree with. And I wanted to make that very, very clear. So that is awesome. So you were able to do that. You were able to pay off $110,000 and now you, are you still doing this marketing gig or are you finished with that? Or is that, is that still yeah, something? So it's something that I'm super passionate about. And it is really something that gave me the platform that I'm on now, where I then go and have my own business mentorship business. And then I branched out and I had a podcast. It's called the Your Life Matters Podcast. And it was something that gave me so much life. And I still do this network marketing side job, even though it like acts as a full job sometimes, because it gives me purpose. I think one of the things, and I actually shared this on my social media today, is so often people don't realize how important our health is. And you will see the most successful people. I saw Viola Davis training for her latest movie that comes out later this month, like next month. Successful people move their body. And I will always stand behind a business model that puts your health and your happiness at the forefront. So yes, absolutely. I still do that. But I also have done other businesses and done other models that kind of bring in that extra income. So it's just awesome to see so many streams become a part of my life. Yeah. And that's the thing. You know, we're definitely at a point where people are now open to the conversation of building a side hustle, having multiple streams of income. But what I love about yours is that you have multiple streams of income. They seem to be non like correlated, like they're not dependent on one another. I think sometimes people come to me and say, okay, well, I have multiple streams of income. They have three or four, but if one industry goes down, yes. like we saw with COVID, you lose all your income streams, but like you're a motivational speaker, like you're a pediatric nurse practitioner, like you're doing all these things where if anything were to happen with the hospitals or whatever might happen, yeah. you know, you have all these other streams that can keep you afloat, which I think is so key. And that's huge because in 2020, I actually lost my job. Oh, Wow. Yeah. Let's talk about that. <laughs> Why? Uh, yeah. So in March of 2020, I, as a medical professional, lost my job. And that was something that a lot of medical professionals, especially providers, experience. They either experienced massive pay cuts or they experienced job loss. And that was a really eye-opening situation, right? So we talked about it. I went to school because they said, get an education. You'll have a good lifestyle. You'll have a good life. And all of a sudden, my education in that moment didn't matter. At the time that the world needed me most, I couldn't find a job. Hospitals, hiring freeze, clinics, hiring freeze. I could not find a job. So between March all the way until September, where I started my new position at the hospital, I was at home. 
And a lot of times people will think like, oh my gosh, like what did you do? Well, I had all of these other streams of income that were making exactly what I was making as a doc MP. So I was good. It wasn't a great moment, right? Like the world was upside down. All of us were in this unbelievable, you know, panic and fear and just kind of uncertainty. But for me, it felt good because at the time my daughter had, was about to turn one. I got to watch her crawl and take her first steps and break her first tooth in and all of those incredible things that now looking back, I'm so grateful that I had that time at home, but I'm also grateful that I had those other streams that allowed me to stay at home where I didn't have to freak out because I had even questioned going into the epicenter of the pandemic and traveling to New York on assignment for 12 weeks. And me and my wife sat down and we were like, uh, you could die. Are you sure that this is what you want to do? And I remember looking at her and the girls and just was like, yeah, no, there's something else. There's something else we got to do because I need to be here. That's beautiful. And it really just speaks to the importance of just being financially secure because in a lot of situations, especially in 2020, when someone lost their job and they needed that income, they would likely go and do a job where they had to sacrifice their life, help, you know, family, whatever it might be. And that's just not fair, right? Like, so it's just so key to be financially secure in the form of like having multiple streams of income that you love doing. Yeah. I think sometimes people are just like, I'm going to do name the side hustle. When <laughs> it's just like, yes. do you even love doing that? Could you do that yeah. forever? So you want to find something you're truly passionate about. And you obviously have found that. So it's great that, you were able to prioritize your family at that time, which I know is, and it can be a very beautiful time when your child is, I mean, one year, one years old, like walking, like teething, all yeah. that stuff, some good and some bad, but that is awesome. I thank you for just sharing that incredible story. I do have a question and I try to ask this question to people who are very motivational. I get the question, all the time, like during podcasts. And I think this is a good one for you. Being a motivational speaker, someone that motivates others, like what keeps you motivated? Like what keeps your drive going day after day? Like when you wake up, like what are you excited about? Oh, I love that question. Uh, I know it's become like this cliche thing, but your why. And the way that I teach your why is not the superficial feel good. Why what's the seven layers of your why? So you asked me, you know, what keeps me motivated? Why do I keep doing that? Because I want freedom for my family. Well, why, what does that look like? Well, I want it because I didn't have that growing up. Why? Well, I never went on family vacation. I never went and did those fun things. I never traveled anywhere. Why? Cause I just didn't have the family that made me feel good and feel like I belong. So then what do I focus on? My why is I want my kids to grow up in a household that they feel loved and nurtured in, but also that they know that they can dream bigger. And the only way that they know that they can dream big and go after those big things is if they see their mom doing the same thing. So I wake up every single day, not just for them, but for me to show my 12 year old self that all of the things that you're going to go through is for a reason for you to get here and you can continue to show up 
And I think that's the beautiful thing about staying motivated. Now, are there days that I don't want to wake up and work out? Of course. Are there days that I'm like, oh, I just want to binge watch Netflix? Absolutely. But when I look at my seven-year-old and my three-year-old as beautiful little girls, I remember that they need to see their mom doing something powerful, making an impact and never giving up because they need to know that they're valued and they're loved. And that is why I show up every single day. That's my motivation behind it. You fucking killed it. You killed it. (laughs) Wow. That is the best response I think I've ever heard as it relates to that question. Wow. I'm at a loss of words. That is amazing. That is how you do it. Like, I can't wait to be a parent because growing up, like my dad and my mom tried to do everything they possibly could for me. And I want to essentially do the same thing for my child and you know, raise the next generation the way that I want to be able to raise them, to give them the best chance at life. So that is awesome. Thank you for sharing that with the Better Wallet community. Yeah. Wow. Guys, if that does not motivate you, I don't know what will. <laughs> wow. I'm just ready to knock down a wall now. <laughs> Maria, this is great. I'm sure there's a lot of listeners on the line. Like, how can I talk to this great person? Like, how can <laughs> I get in contact with you? Like, where can people find you online? Yeah. So you really can find me at the best place on Dr. Mariah White on Instagram. It's the best place. There's not a bot. It's me who's (laughs) answering DMs. I still very much choose to be in my DMs because that's where I have the best conversations. You also can tune into my podcast at Your Life Matters Podcast. And then last but not least, you can find me at Born to Shine Mentorship dot teachable.com. And that's where you really will just be able to see all of the things that I have to offer. I really have a passion for working with incredible human beings one-on-one to get them to the next level, regardless of what that looks like for them. So I cannot wait to talk with some of you guys. Come check me out. I'm here for you. I'm here to support you because your dreams matter and success is not above you. Amen to that. Amen to that. So guys, you guys know where to find her. I'm going to make sure I put all those links in the show notes so you can go click on the links and connect with Dr. Wright. Thank you so much, Dr. White, for just coming on the line, talking to us and sharing your story. And guys, with that, we are out. Thank you for tuning in to the Bear Wallet podcast. If you learned something new during today's episode, please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. We would also love a rating and review as well. In closing, remember the goal is to live a better life through taking control of your money. We want our money to work hard for us so we can live the life that we've always imagined. I'll see you on the next episode.